0: There's no getting around it. We've got a bad situation on our hands. Capitalism has its earth-sucking grip on the world. Bigotry is booming. Militaries are growing. Inequality is rising, and we seem destined to destroy ourselves with either the slower burn of climate chaos or the fatal flash of nuclear midnight. So what are we going to do about it all? This is Earth Matters, produced for 3CR Radio and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Jem Rommeld, and this week I'm speaking to six people, all who will remain anonymous, about non-violent direct action, what it is, why it is a relevant part of social change, and some personal stories of actions they've been
1: involved in. So perhaps just to start with what um, is a common definition used for direct action, being that it's about stopping or starting something in the real world, and I think what that means is basically not relying on, um, formal and traditional forms of politics to get something done, um, by way of representatives, but by actually getting out there and, and doing something that will change politics. My first experiences with, with direct action were always really scary because, I mean, I think within that, um, it's, it's a confrontational act, um, and you know you're really getting in the way, basically, of um, people that are getting together to make some sort of decision about an issue that you care about, um, something that really has stakes. Um, and yeah, I think it's just in- in- inherently antagoni- antagonistic. Um, but I think what I've I've really um, come t- to appreciate of um, my experiences of being involved in direct action is is just really what you learn by doing an action so the skills that you learn to organize with your friends um, people that become your friends um, you know you learn how to climb fences um, you learn how to paint banners um, do media releases talk to police do legal support really actually just great skills in life in activism and and community organizing Um, but really just I guess the impact that a really effective direct action that has taken place in the context of a broader campaign, um, a broader movement. Um, It can really create opportunities um, in ways that you couldn't foresee. Um, It it gives you a lot of power um, to have your voice heard and your concerns taken really seriously because you have taken really serious action. Um yeah and ultimately I think it's just it's such a hopeful act. Um it's it's an act to say yep yeah, this is this is really big what I'm doing now it's really disruptive um and I'm going to do it because it's really important and you create a situation where people need to respond to that they cannot ignore you and for better or worse I think um and usually for the better um you know you you start changing the way politics works in the real world. And I think that's what's really powerful about direct action.
2: Um, For me, direct action is any opportunity that we have to change things in the community and in the world around us. Um, So that can be something that just involves yourself um, or... It can be something that involves a larger group or movement of people. Um, and obviously when we get together and change things together, we can affect more change. Um, so if you're walking down the beach and you see a plastic bag, you can directly affect history by taking that and getting rid of it, putting it in the bin or recycling it at home. And you're going to stop that plastic bag from ending up in the belly of a whale. Um, but you're going to affect more change if you can stop it where it starts, do something fun at the Coles AGM to, you know, implement a plastic bag ban, or you know, get involved to to make sure that they have biodegradable plastic bags. Um, make your own pl- bags that are not made of plastics. There's lots of great opportunities.
3: Yeah, I think that direct action is is really important because we're not being listened to on any fronts. Um, Governments, the uh, representative democracy, like isn't designed to actually have the voices of the people um, heard and those avenues don't really lead there anywhere. Um, Though that's not to say that there aren't people in organisations that are doing amazing jobs like lobbying and really trying to... um, get things across and, um, people working with, um, yeah, like working with governments to try to like change policy is like really, really important work. Um, but that can only happen. Like if there's a groundswell of people that are, that are challenging that stuff and, um, doing that head on. So you really need direct action, um, to be the voice of the people and to be like, no, like, this isn't something that we, um, that we accept and that we're going to act directly in opposition to this and um, create alternate paths that that we want to walk down and that we want to move towards. So, um, yeah, direct action is also – can be, like, uh, really good for people to be involved in um, because it is, like um, – it empowers you to know that your, like, political um, worth doesn't end the moment that you – Tick a ballad box. It's also about the relationships that you build, the communities that you build, and the ideas that you can create, and um, yeah, harboring relationships where you can um, tackle these things together.
4: So,
0: how did our champions of change get involved in nonviolent direct action?
5: So I got involved with direct action kind of just through friends and stuff. Like I started going to rallies in my early 20s and met more and more people. And then they said, come along to these things. And next thing I knew, I was in the South Australian desert um, protesting against uh, the Olympic Dam uranium mine. I guess I found that... It felt like you were doing something, and mm. I really like. I b- believe that it's not the only strategy that that works, but it does. It is a really important strategy
4: because I felt like um, lobbying wasn't really my thing. Lobbying politicians, um, petitions, writing letters—it just felt like it was too slow. And it felt like there needed to be this wasn't this isn't this is still a very urgent mm. uh, thing that's happening. The Earth is still warming, nothing's necessarily changing, it's business as usual, um, and so you just need to get out there and do it. Mm.
0: Let's hear some of the stories. First, about some protests in Germany at the intergovernmental G8 meeting and moving into actions to disrupt the coal industry and prevent logging. (laughs)
2: My favourite direct actions have always been more creative ones. Um, Blocking the harbour at Newcastle is is a fun one, Um, so getting out on canoes and boats to stop the coal harbour and block it for the day. One great action I was involved in uh, and was really lucky to be part of was at the GA in Germany, which was a few years ago now. Um, But it was so amazing to be part of such an amazing, huge mobilisation. Uh, they had different days, which had different themes, like on migration, the environment, things like that. Um, and I was part of the Samba block, so we played music and participated in lots of different actions. Uh, one of the actions was um, around cheap food and um, combining all those issues around that. So we had a protest that was outside Aldi and protesting the, I guess, the um, production of food, which. Um, impacts on workers but also on, um, through the use of pesticides, um, transport from different parts of Europe, um, impacts on the environment negatively in so many ways. Um, So we were playing music out the front and a bunch of people dressed up as different vegetables and uh, jumped on top of the roof and we're all yelling out in German and English and all other different languages um, that we need to have better conditions for workers but also for the environment. Um, As part of the Samba Group, we also um, were part of one of the biggest demonstrations at the G8 that involved thousands and thousands of people, I think more than 60,000 people. Um, And when the police started shooting pepper spray at people, everyone started screaming and running. Um, But the Samba Band was awesome because we could play music and just relax and chill people out so that we could walk safely and calmly out of the area together. People started dancing and rather than everyone running, hurting each other, we could um, stay together as a group and stop people from getting hurt. Um, So I think these sort of actions are so powerful and effective because they bring everyone together. We can talk about the changes that we want to see and direct change on so many different levels.
4: know what exactly led me to it, um, but I was involved in an action about 10 years ago um, in the southwest of WA in Collie. Um, it's a coal mining town, and uh, me and a bunch of friends, it's like a very tight-knit community, um, we decided to be a part of a nationwide action where every day for a week there was a coal-fired power station that was that had a direct action Um, to try and stop the coal from getting burnt. Um, And so we were the WA action of that. And I was about 18 or 19. It was about 10 years ago. And I decided to be involved because I, at the time, and I still do, but it's kind of shifted. At the time, I was really inspired by the older people around me who'd been involved in direct actions before and were really confident. And we were about to, we were driving down southwest. Um, to do this action and suddenly I realised that I wanted to be one of the people who was locking on, one of the three people. We basically locked ourselves to a piece of the equipment um, to stop it from from moving. Mm. Um, It was me and two others. (laughs) Hey, Jipa. And, um, yeah, it meant that we stopped it for about five to six hours. Um, The whole power station had to be shut down. By attaching yourself to the conveyor belt. Yeah, by attaching ourselves um, with our arms via this metal cylinder. Because if there wasn't a cylinder, if there wasn't this metal, then they could have just pulled us off and taught us to get out. Um, But when they found us when the power station workers found us, they were like, oh, there's obviously, you know, you guys have stopped this. Are there other people around? So it took them hours to figure out whether there were other people. And so they had to shut the whole power station down because they were afraid that someone was going to get hurt um and we just would pretend that we didn't know anything about whether there were other people mm. um yeah so basically i just really felt like it was uh, a really important thing to do at that time um there was a lot of climate change um related direct actions happening that year i think there was over a 100 mm. different ones in australia um for that i think it was 2007 or 2008 Um, And it really felt like there was this momentum to shift um, policy around climate change. And uh, I felt like there needed to be a bigger push and that needed to be direct. Mm. Um, So that's why I got involved.
0: This is Earth Matters. This episode is produced on Dharawal and Gadigal land in New South Wales for 3CR Radio in Melbourne, Victoria. And to be broadcast all across these stolen lands we call Australia on the Community Radio Network. We're exploring the world of non-violent direct action for environmental justice with six anonymous activists. Let's get back to the story.
5: I was involved in um, the Laird Forest or Malls Creek coal mine campaign, um, which is in northwest New South Wales, um, and a particular action that I was involved in up there was um, a tree sit. The Lead State Forest is in northwest New South Wales, and it's um, critically endangered um, box gum woodland. Um, and Whitehaven Coal are building a mega mine there in the in the forest and clearing thousands of hectares of. Um, this forest. Um, yeah, so at this particular time, they were um, Whitehaven Cole were clearing the forest um, during winter when all the animals were um, hibernating, um, which means that they don't escape from the trees that the bulldozers are knocking down. So I decided that... We decided that something needed to be done, and um, I put my hand up to go up a tree, and... I was up there for 36 hours. What does that mean, go up a tree? Oh, Okay. Um, so when you go up a tree, you set up a um, platform, like a an old bed frame, and you attach that platform is like anchored to other trees or the tree that you're in or sometimes machinery, and that stops um, the machinery working, and it stops the machinery working around that tree and cutting down the tree you're in but also the surrounding trees because you're putting yourself in the way. So I was up there for 36 hours all while there was a friendly local cop down the bottom trying to chat to me. Mm. <laughs> um at, towards the end of towards the end of um my time up there they were sort of getting ready to get a cherry picker to get me down. The cherry picker was coming but I um thought I'd give it a, Give um sorry so the cherry picker was coming but I thought um I'd have a go at negotiating and I was um talking to the head cop down on the ground um from up the tree and I was like oh so what happens if what happens if I get down right now like because there wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be much time before I got down anyway got taken down by force um and he's like oh we'll well, you know, it'll look good in court that we'll say you cooperated. Um, And I was like, oh, okay, nah, that's, no, thanks. I'll I'll just stay up here. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Um, And then he sort of, like, paused and he's like, hmm, all right, we'll give you, we'll just give you a fine. We won't charge you. So no, no criminal charges laid. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, how do I know you're, how do I know you're telling the truth? And he sort of, he looks at me and, looks at his like off and kind of smirks and he's like well if you can't trust a cop who can you trust <laughs> um and I, I laughed like he knew exactly what he was saying so I laughed <laughs> and then I, but then I yeah I got down because I thought oh if I can avoid a avoid a charge that's pretty you'll, good you'll take your chance on. yeah this I'll cotton. take my chance on the cop turns out for once, he was being honest. For once, <laughs> it was like the only honest cop I know.
1: <laughs>
6: yep, so at the end of 2015, during the Paris climate talks, or during that time that the climate talks were on, um, a bunch of us organised. An action where on the same day we simultaneously blockaded three coal ports on the eastern seaboard. Um, so there are five coal ports on the eastern seaboard. Um, and yeah, we managed to stop work at three of those for about half the day. At the Fantastic. Same time. And what was the one you were involved in? So we were involved in the action at Port Kembla coal port, mm. um, the coal export port there. Mm. Um, and at the same time, the Brisbane port and the Newcastle coal port, which is the largest coal port in the world, um, was also being blockaded. Mm. And what does that look like? What does the blockade look like? So where we were, um, we had two climbers that had, uh, using you know ropes and, and harnesses and equipment, had scaled um, the machinery that was actually loading the coal onto the coal ships. Mm. Um, so that stopped the loading of coal onto the coal ships, mm. um, which disrupted port operations for the day and actually probably for a number of weeks. Mm. Um, at the same time as they were inside stopping the actual loading of the coal, we were um, on the main road going in and out of the coal port, blockading um, trucks from bringing in coal and, you know, empty trucks from going away.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so you were there for a whole
6: day, is that right? Um, oh, probably about six hours or so. Great.
0: And did you get some media attention?
6: We did. We got lots of local media attention. Um, I was the spokesperson for that action, so that was uh, an interesting one for me to field. Um, We had lots of local media that was very excited. It seemed like the most exciting thing that had ever happened in (laughs) Wollongong. And what was it like for you participating in this kind of action, having grown up here? Um, It was actually really great. I'd grown up, you know, in a suburb very close to the coal port. When I was a kid, I would play at my cousin's place, which is on top of the hill overlooking the coal port. Mm. So I grew up looking at those piles of coal. And so it was actually very satisfying to kind of have, you know, kind of grown up and had more of an awareness of environmental issues and, you know, social issues linked to environmental issues. Um, and then to be able to take some kind of, take some kind of tangible action at this place mm. that I'd essentially grown up with. <laughs>
3: The things you ever bought in
2: stores were made. Was a world of nature's grand sublime display. When something all went wrong, as felt today. How will we ever find our way back? Imagine
1: it. So, when I talk about the first um, camp for climate action that was organised in Australia in 2008 in Newcastle. Um, So the climate camps were um, a model of direct action that um, had been occurring around the world, um, particularly in places like UK and Europe were basically um, there were were a week long convergence of people um, at sites of fossil fuel production to hold a a camp um, in protest um, and hold an action to to, um, disrupt that particular site as well. So we were at Newcastle because Newcastle um, was and I, I understand still is the world's largest coal port um, and Newcastle was in the process of further expanding its coal infrastructure. So we held a camp. Um, there were a good, you know, tens of people in the organising collective um, involved in all aspects from the logistics to the program outreach, media um, communications, to the police, etc., but basically it all came together um, in this hectic, um, busy um, week of learning for everyone that was there. Um, so, our day of action at Climate Camp um, ended up with over a hundred people on um, the. Train lines where the coal trains operate. Um, obviously, we'd shut down um, the operation of of the trains due to our presence, um, and it was just a really powerful, you know, um, event to be part of. To see so many people, um, literally, putting their bodies in the way of um, the production of um, fossil fuels um, and s- basically saying that things need to change um so I myself was mostly involved in organizing the legal support around climate camp um which involved um prior to the camp uh quite extensive negotiations with the police um now obviously on the day that all changed as well and the police went and did things that they said they wouldn't do as usual but um we we had to manage that situation Um, as best we could for the safety of everyone involved Um, and basically once um, quite a few people obviously were arrested as as part of um, going onto the train lines um, but they were released and and we organised to collect their details and make sure that everyone that wanted support in terms of contesting charges, contesting fines or receiving funds to support them with paying fines, etc., um, we're all connected and, and supported and um, it was obviously quite a long process after the camp in addition to all the sort of debriefing and, and reflection but um, everything that we learnt again went into our lessons when we organised Climate Camp in 2009 in Helensburg in southern New South Wales and then in 2010 in Bayswater again in northern New South Wales. Before the war
3: drum win in our ears today
2: World of
0: grand, so when it's a group of people with passion and skills up against the financial and political power of the coal industry, for example, how do we measure success for ourselves?
5: Yeah, it was, it was relative success. Like ultimate success would have been stopping the mine completely and stopping all the trees, like stopping the trees from being felled in the first place. But it was an immediate thing I could do to help save this forest, which is, which I felt was very important. And that's why I say like, it's not the only strategy, Mm. but it's a very important immediate reaction.
6: I suppose it feels very tangible. Um, It's kind of like you can see a problem and then you can see a way of you yourself actually getting in the way Mm. and having a tangible effect on that industry. Um, that negatively impacts that industry in a way in which you know all the letter writing and talking to MPs and all that stuff, which is you know good and, and important and whatever same way that that can get very frustrating um, mm-hmm. and so sometimes it 's just really nice <laughs> to do some NVDA and have this kind of like satisfaction essentially mm-hmm. that you 're actually stopping something. <laughs>
1: So in terms of, you know, defining success, I, I think it's it's a really, it is a hard question because I think when you're part of grassroots activism, you always think that you're losing. <laughs> There's always a hundred things that you haven't done um, and a hundred more things that need to be done. Um, but I think that um, every every action that we take in power um really has has can have really significant consequences in ways that we don't foresee and I think that is the history of of people's movements um you know it's not one event it's 10 things that happened before then um and I think for me what's important is with the actions that we take who's actually being empowered are we actually empowering the people that are most affected, that are most marginalised, that um, are the ones that need to have ownership over the solutions that we apparently are trying to create for them? So, you know, really it's not about um, anyone speaking on behalf of anyone else and and telling them what to do, um, but about empowering people and communities to create their own solutions. So for me, if, if in action um can meet some of that then then that's how i would define um the action being successful um yeah and ultimately you know it, it's just transformative i think that's why it is hopeful i think genuine direct action that um is guided by those principles is is genuinely transformative um from the bottom up and you, you you'll never be able to see all the ripples um but down the line you you will know (laughs) um whether or not um you've been part of part of that change and whether that change has been um something that you can be happy with so yeah I mean I think that's probably a bit of a a general question because I think it's hard when you're in the midst of it as well to know but I think if, if you've got those um relationships of accountability as well with with what you're trying to do then I think um that's, you you know, you need to listen to that and you need to hold yourself to account. This is the place the revolution starts. This is the place the revolution starts. Right here, right now. Right here, right now. This is the place the revolution starts. Right here, in the human heart.
6: So there are definitely these networks out there that, you know, you too can get involved in
3: there's just so many ways that you can get involved and um, try to make your voice heard and stop some of the horrible things that are happening because um yeah things are going bad really fast but it's kind of like resistance is fertile i love it it's (laughs) inspiring it's always inspiring
5: it's really good and everyone should do it
0: (laughs) This is Earth Matters, produced for 3CR Radio in Melbourne. Thank you to the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and to the good folks at the Community Radio Network for getting this show out to you. You can contact the Earth Matters team via 3CR Radio. You can find our page on Facebook and listen to more episodes online at allofthews.3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. The music on this show has obviously been an array of protest songs, Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine, Standing in the Way of Control by Gossip, and This is the Place by Combat Wombat. I'm Gem Rommel. This is my last Earth Matters, so thanks for listening. Tune in again next week and keep fighting.